welcome to episode 16 of We Have Such Films to Show You. This week uh, we are talking about, or this fortnight I should say, we're talking about uh, House of the Devil, 2009 fil- uh, film by Ty West. I am uh, your host alpha, Josh Millard. With me is your host Omega, uh, Yakov Grinberg. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny on the spot in recognizing your own name. That was very, that was, that was taut pacing. This is. Wait, that's my name. Hey. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're doing a uh, house of the devil. And uh, so I guess four weeks ago, no, wait, no, no. Two weeks ago. Um, I think the week or maybe three weeks ago. Anyway, it slightly was before the previous podcast, uh, somebody in the Facebook group suggested we do an actual scary movie after we covered, you know, we we did like all we did you know from we went from phantasm to two bad prophecy movies to john dies at the end to two worst prophecy movies and somebody was just like hey why don't you guys do you know a real horror movie and it's like all right that sounds like a good idea so we took a poll and um i think it was uh, tim co right uh, it's uh metafilter's own shakespearean um suggested we do house of the devil um, and a bunch of other people suggested a bunch of other stuff, and we're. Oh, I mean, those are all going in our you know big list of yeah, things. Yeah, bunch, of, bunch, some bunch of good suggestions. But this, I think, is what yeah. we ended up uh, landing on as the, the 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 thing that neither of us had seen that sounded like it was you know probably on the actual scary side. So uh, yeah, and and it was. It was. I did you enjoy the movie? I I, I did. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was quite good. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I, I want to say this really feels like a horror fans horror movie, which oh, absolutely. Uh, l- 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 like I, it, it had like Netflix was guessing three stars for me. IMDb has a 6.4 and I can understand both of these things. Uh, it's like, I think going in without really wanting specifically to see someone do a little bit of a, a sort of a, a genre meditation, it would probably be a little bit less satisfying as a movie because it probably just seemed sort of uh, a little bit scattered and a little bit tonally weird, and and it just ends fairly abruptly. And and so, yeah. And I mean, like, like the first two acts, nothing happens. Yeah, it's real slow burn, real slow crawl uh, towards stuff getting finally nutty um which is funny actually we I, I i sat down and watched this last night with my wife and uh i we had paused about like 25 minutes in to you know go get a beer or something uh and and so i glanced at the the thing on netflix and it said you know 24 minutes in and then an hour and 35 and i misread that and i thought that was saying i was 24 minutes in and there was another hour and 35 to go so i was thinking <laughs> okay two hour film and then we're getting toward the end when shit really goes crazy and i really felt like this was like the transition to the third act rather like in than in the woods yeah yeah ra- rather than rather than being uh you know really the escalation of the you know, finale in the third act. I thought we were setting up, okay, and now we got another 30, 40 minutes to go. Uh, and I said as much to my wife too. So we're, so then I set her up and we're both sitting there and then the movie ends not that much long after. And, uh, 
And boy, I felt kind of bad because I, I ruined the pacing a little bit for both of us. Where we're like, oh, wait, that's it? Because uh, I should say, we, I mean, uh, we're, we're so inconsistent about this. And to some extent, you know, listener beware, because obviously if you're listening to a movie podcast, you kind of expect spoilers. But this is a good enough film that I would say definitely watch the film first because it's oh, really good. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't watched it yet and you think you want to, instead of just listening to horror movies by proxy here, go ahead and just hit pause right now and go grab this thing on Netflix or at your local blockbuster. And, uh, you know, give it a watch. Because they went out of business. <laughs> the Haunted Blockbuster. See, now they have more scary movies. Because, um, yes. Uh, go down to your local video-rama. You know, go down to your uh, local movie madness. Because, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's worth seeing uh, blind, yeah, even so if Even if you're listening to this and you're not like, you know, like, like Josh has said, you know, it's a it's a horror fans horror movie. But even if you're not like well versed in horror movies or anything, it still works. It it there's um, it's it, it still works completely well as you know a horror movie of the kind that it is. Um, so yeah, just don't be afraid of the like um, what do you call it? Well, I mean, you should be afraid because it's a horror <laughs> movie, but. You know, don't don't be afraid of like not catching references or anything like that. Even though it's really you know sort of chock full of uh, references to like the kind of stuff that Ty West you know clearly enjoys and was trying to emulate in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it's and, it, know, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't require. It's not something where you can be silly. I don't get it if you don't know the specific thing they're playing off of. Um, it's just it's right. got a little bonus sizzle if you if you if you do like uh, Mr. Ullman the. The uh, Tom Noonan, yeah, Tom Noonan, who is who is fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, and he's great in this. Uh, perfectly disconcerting, uh, but Mister Ullman is the name of the character, and Mister Ullman is the name of the caretaker, or not the caretaker, but the guy who hires uh, Jack Torrance as the caretaker in The Shining, which is just like a totally random throwaway reference. But there you go, he's like tie in a little bit of uh, yeah. And there's a lot of those. Yeah, it takes um, nothing actually, from I, I missed that one. Yeah, I, I had that and, one on my mind recently because uh, of. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, this is the whole thing. Uh, a a thing I watched recently, an hour long experimental animation uh, r- sort of remake of The Shining. Um, and I, I found this. This was mentioned by a guy named Jesse Brennan, who uh, me and Jesse Holden uh, had on that other podcast I'm doing, The Crapshoot, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and he's he. So so Jesse Brennan uh, has. I don't know if he was actually involved in this or just knows the guy who made it, but there's this uh, thing pooping beaks as a weird running joke with them, and it's a running joke throughout this thing. And, and anyway, it's 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 really hard to explain. But if you have an hour to sit down and watch uh, a, a a weird, like intentionally crudely animated uh, reinterpretation that's shockingly faithful of the shining while also being really weird and fucking around and being funny. Uh, you should definitely track down poop and beaks presents the shining because it's amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, and, and Mr. Ullman, you know, plays significantly in, in that as he, you know, more so than he did in the shining originally. And and so it was on my mind. So that's a very long way of saying that's why I was thinking about Mr. Ullman, but yep. I think yeah, everybody, uh, that's, Watch that thing, guys. Um, everybody in this movie that's, you know, basically over the age of 30 has, you know, some a horror movie pedigree, which I found was pretty great. Um, 
you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Oldman, Tom Noonan, Mary uh, Varanov or Waranov are both, you know, they've both been in a ton of stuff. Tom Noonan's, I mean, played the enormous, you know, if there's a villain that's got kind of like a weird face and a uh, he's really, really tall in a movie and it's not played by, um, what's his name, the guy from Twin Peaks who played the giant, it's probably yeah. Tom Noonan. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Dee Wallace was in, you know, a bunch of horror movies and she plays the landlady who's, you know, in a, it, it was weird. Like I started watching this movie and it was like really clear. It's like, I'm watching a cameo right now. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it was fine. It was just because it, it just like had that sort of feel where I'm just like, there's no way this character is coming back and I'm watching a cameo, but that's okay. Cause she's whatever. She's a good actress. Yep. Um, Dee Wallace, you know, the so mom it, from E.T. Is, is something a lot of people remember, mm-hmm. or, or the mom from She was Cujo. in The Howling. She was in The Howling. She'd been in a shitload of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, just, uh, I, was this, I don't even know if this is a cameo or just an acting role, but the uh, 911 operator was Lena Dunham, who yes. had one line over the phone, which I thought was... Uh, had Lena I, Dunham I was just, like, been reading the, born when this movie was set? It's like a time travel God, thing. I don't she may, think she may, so. she may not have existed in the early no, 80s. No, she definitely was not, because this, so, this uh, movie is set... I, I sort of narrowed down both the setting and location... I mean, both the time and location of the movie. And so it's set around 82, because that's... I, I looked up the songs that were played, especially the ones that she was playing, like that was playing on the radio and on her Walkman, which was uh, Fixes One Thing lead to an, Leads to Another, and then song on the radio in Megan's car. I forget what it's called. The breakup song. I forget who did it, but there were, it's 1981, 1982. Um, so, right. yeah, yeah. It looked about like, like, like that between the, the hair. Yeah. And just the like the very, very so tail end of the seventies. Um, and I never done location, but it's weird. Cause it doesn't really make sense. Um, so the movie was shot in Connecticut. Uh, you see the one time you see a license plate in the movie, it's a Connecticut plate. But um, at the point where she's co- when she decides to call the, uh, you know the emergency operator and then decides against it, there's a sticker on the, the thing that says you know the call your local PD, which is the New Hyde Park Police Department. And New Hyde Park is a um, you know it's a it's a village or town or whatever on Long Island in New York. And so I I think that's where that takes place. And there's there's a you know there's a university that's you know roughly dri- like annoyingly driving distance outside of it. Um, and so, you know, that, that would make sense, but you know, some of the other stuff and the pizza they were eating as well, that was, um, you know, that was sort of like the New York style pizza, although I guess it wouldn't be very different in Connecticut, but yeah. Um, did you, did you see anything to give away where it was outside of, you know, the Northeast? I was not looking very hard. Yeah. I I sort of, I sort of assumed like general territory, but I didn't think to, to look very hard at that. You know what I had, one thing I'd meant to do. Uh, is look up the record of uh, total lunar eclipses uh, that hit North America in the early 80s, because that seems like a good way to to narrow it down as well. Because, I mean, honestly, if you're making this movie and you're making it a period piece and you decide to set it on the event of a rare lunar event, it seems like a good opportunity to go ahead and, like, you know, pick an actual one. But uh, but I didn't I didn't think to look that up ahead of time. So uh, maybe I'll go back and check it out at some point, uh, or maybe someone will do our homework for us. Uh, there have been a shitload. Yeah, and that's and, well, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know how rare it would be to get a full, like a full-on umbral lunar eclipse hitting North America. That might be a narrower thing than just was there a lunar eclipse. So that's so yeah, that's that's what I don't know. So, yeah. um, 
Anyway, maybe someone can maybe someone can. I, that I down, think you can I just think that would be Google good, astronomically uh, perfect location to observe a lunar eclipse. It'll come right up. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I didn't track it down beyond that. Uh, yeah. I, so it, it is interesting. Is that okay? That's one thing we should talk about. Is is uh, the movie is very much doing the like this is a period piece in in like at two different levels it's it's a period piece in the sense that it's very explicitly set in the early 80s like there's no question about that and the film lovingly so the yeah. all yeah all the props there was you know the the props the the dialogue um there was i was you know the my second viewing of it i was specifically looking for anachronisms and i spotted like exactly <laughs> one what was that um, she mentioned that she uses the phrase, you know, I don't want any drama, which I don't think, um, might, that, I think that, that's a, that, that's a, that's a phrase of recent vintage. That does feel a little bit more uh, live journal. Um, but I, I wonder, maybe we, maybe we can look that up, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things at a service level in the film that's very like, Hey, remember Walkmans? Hey, remember pay phones? Hey, remember Farrah Fawcett? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that court like, full you know, phones. Yeah. God, yeah the, 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 the scene with a phone cord in the kitchen and reaching and it's like, Oh yeah, that, 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 uh, that is, uh, an issue that used to be an issue. Uh, but, 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 but yeah, um, I'm but, just wondering, like, there's like kids, you know, you know, like imagine like a, you know, 16, 15, 16 year old kid watching this movie born in, you know, 1998, 1999 being like, what, what is it to them? You know, this must be like a movie that's as old as like something like, you know, we're watching a movie from the fifties being like, look at that. Everybody's wearing hats. Yeah, exactly. It's like, look at that a rotary phone. I've never seen one of those. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's weird to realize that we're, we're getting far enough from, uh, <laughs> from when we were kids. <laughs> That we're we're turning into the, the the people shaking our hands at the kids and you know telling yeah for us this movie is loving nostalgia yeah it's it, it's weird I mean uh, and, and but what I want to say so it's operating on that, it's like operating very much on the surface mm-hmm. as a a period piece in terms of the costume design and and the the dialogue and the props and whatnot but it's the also on mm. it, but it's also yeah, uh, it's <laughs> no French allowed this is a no French podcast. Um, because you know the French never had anything to do with cinematic theory. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, yes. So the other thing, it, 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 it's it's very it's very lovingly an '80s uh, horror film in sort of a lot of the decision making too. Like 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 aesthetically at a at a cinematic level, uh, a lot of it is like sort of pointedly paced differently than a more typical contemporary uh, horror flick. Um, and it's it's shot differently too. It's like the camera technique is it's not contemporary camera technique, like the um, you know just the way that the shots track and and pan and the zooms. They're all very uh, very uh, from like that really precise period of movie making. Yeah, there, there, there's an older sort of mechanical approach to a lot of the cinematography, which is interesting. You you, you get stuff that like yeah shots that you kind of do what you can with what you have because you don't have some of the established aesthetic and some of really probably even the tool set that, that you would, you know, right. 20, 30 years later. Um, and yeah, the, the, the cinematography in this film is really, really aggressively, uh, present. I mean, I, I like it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fun, interesting use of camera work. Um, a lot of, uh, I want to say sort of things that ended up being red herrings, uh, 
that I don't know how to feel about them necessarily, whether that's like really great use of cinematography or just sort of distracting gimmicky. It's like, it's, it's hard to say, but, but certainly very there, effective. There was some there's a lot of, there. there's a lot of things that really, there, there's a lot of shots that sort of, again, looking at this as someone who's looking at this from sort of like a film criticism point of view, I guess, especially there's a lot of shots that really said, okay, I'm doing a thing here. Uh, and it's fun <laughs> sort of watching this and picking those out and wondering if it meant something or not. Um, Cause yeah, like, 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 like what, what jumped out at you as far as that stuff in the film? Um, so there was a, for, so first of all, the, the one red herring that I knew for a fact was a red herring, but part of me was still hoping was when, uh, they're driving over to the house and Megan was just like complaining that everybody's, you know, all t- talking about nothing but the lunar eclipse. She's like, it's like the moon's going to explode. <laughs> and I know that's not going to happen, but it will be pretty cool. I'm like, Oh, Oh, might it? <laughs> like, I wrote that down that, as well. I'd yeah. The, line, the exact um, line was, you know, it's not like the moon's going to explode. And yeah, I was, I was like, oh, God, let the moon explode. That'd be so amazing. Yeah, there was. Um, so the whole thing with um, when she is walking around the apartment, I mean, walking around the building, it's the, the house, it's fucking city kid, uh, walking around the house with the knife and just sort of skulking in the shadows. That was all, you know, nothing, nothing comes of that to the extent that she puts the knife away. And I thought that was, um, you know, and and while they're doing that, there there was like, you know, a good handful of very specific film references in the way in like the shots, like you know, she's going up the stairs and you see the knife come first, and you see like the uh, the banisters and the railing from the stairs, and you see it in shadow, which is just like straight out of Nosferatu. Um, you know, you see her going down the hallway and you see like her from the back in a way that you can't really even tell who it is. And you see like the knife glinting in her hand, which is, you know, like every single, um, <laughs> like Italian giallo movie and like plenty and plenty of like, you know, just otherwise, you know, thriller and horror movies where you see that same shot. And, um, it was actually, I, I thought that it was, you know, it's not that I thought that there was going to be like a, like some sort of reversal, but just during those scenes, she was the villain. She is in like this, she's effectively this this young girl alone in this old lady's house skulking around with a knife ready to stab somebody. And she's being shot like the villain and um, and then it just stops. And then she has some pizza. Yeah. <laughs> there was also, uh, yeah, and it's, and it's really interesting. And it, it's a funny thing because you mentioned uh, right up top that this, like the first two acts of this film are really, really uneventful for the most part. I mean, they're, they're, they're good. They're, they're, it's a, it's a real slow build, slow burn, lots of creepy, not sure what's going to happen here stuff that works very effectively, I think, but uh, it works in a very understated sort of way. Like, like it's the things that keep not happening mostly that define the tension uh, of the film. And, and one of the weird things is, yeah, she spends basically the second act of the film. She's wandering around this house alone being, sort of spooked and trying not to be spooked and 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 it's weird because she is essentially i don't know I, I i she's she's doing a pretty bad job of what she in theory is supposed to do like it's really yeah. you sit down you turn on the tv you watch tv you do some homework you read a book it's really i mean that's that's the, that's one of the upsides of a cush babysitting gig is all you do is just literally be there in case the house catches on fire or someone starts screaming and that never happens, and you get paid, and you leave, and that's awesome. So it's weird. It's weird that she can't just sit still. But you know, whatever. It's a horror movie. Um, that's a complicated 
you know, Ouroboros of a discussion there. Uh, is she behaving this way because she's in a horror movie? Is it a horror movie because she's behaving this way? Is a horror movie that's obviously so genre savvy or made by someone with such care for a horror movie in which someone does some of the stupid things that people do in horror movies that people think horror movies are stupid for? You know, it's a pretzel. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure we'll continue to pick at that. But, but anyway, she's doing this. And yeah, it's interesting. She is essentially being sort of like a precocious transgressor in this house. So the fact that there's that... Uh, sort of cinematic framing of her in subtle ways as sort of like the villain while she's skulking uh, ties into that in kind of a fun way because yeah it's like okay well you know you are you are probably not supposed to be doing that and why are you going upstairs again what do you oh my and now you got a knife and and you keep almost going into the the room but you don't go into the room and uh, so yeah that was really interesting uh, other cinematic things that I thought were uh, that really jumped out at me um there was the the the, the, the dolly sh- sort of tracking shot. There's a close-up shot of her face in profile as she's walking along on the campus uh, until she walks past the bulletin board where she finds the number for the babysitting gig. And I thought that was just like a really sort of conspicuous sort of like, okay, we have managed to set up this shot and we are going to track her. And it's, it's a little bit technically... Uh, fussy of a shot to do. Well, here's the thing: were those dolly zooms or were those lens zooms? Oh, well, that, um, well the, 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 this was like a tracking shot. Is the, oh, okay. this is what I'm thinking? Oh, of. Like, I know. Yeah, okay, no, yeah. yeah I was so thinking she, of a different just track along with that. Um, there was a uh, a lot of like near far juxtaposition in the first act, yep. especially uh, like yep. like I've, the really standout one. I think was the the shot with the payphone where she goes to the payphone, she makes a phone call. Uh, leaves a message, hangs up, and then we've got the payphone in like extreme close-up on the left side of the frame, and the whatever they're doing, they're shooting a real tight aperture, so there's a really wide uh, depth of field here. So then she she wanders off down a path, you know, getting significantly smaller, wandering off towards a campus building, and uh, still still relatively focused, and so is the the payphone. Um, so I was looking, I was like, is it going to be a split lens shot? But I don't think it was. I think they just went real type aperture. Anyway, so she walks away, and then the phone rings when she's gotten pretty far away. And so it's, 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 she's gotten just far enough that it's kind of wonderful. She has to turn around on the first ring, and then it's not to like the fourth ring that she gets back, picks up the phone, has a conversation. That's a and then she's in pretty. like very, she's again in very extremely close up. Yeah, um, yeah. So she's right up there with a the payphone. Um, so, 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 so the walk away and keeping the phone in there set up the ring really well. Her coming back has that night's weird tension because, like, it's just someone answering a phone call, but it's weird that you know the the phone rang and and then when she's going away again, there's like this weird uh, tension of like, is the phone going to ring again or is something going to happen? That's just wonderfully set up just by that sort of you know go and come and go. Well, she also like tur- like really quickly just like turns around and sort of makes eye contact with the phone and then just catches herself doing that and just keeps walking. Um, and it was like the timing was just it was it was basically like the same scene twice, except the second time the phone doesn't ring and she turns around. Yeah. Um, which was uh, yeah, and uh, there was uh, there was and they did that a few times. They did that like every like. They repeat a lot of shots, and when they repeat the shots, the shots are usually set, like, it, the camera is usually set up in a really interesting way. Like, every time that she approaches her dorm room door, it's sort of the same thing where the, um, 
the doorknob, not even like like not the door, but like the doorknob itself is in the foreground to the extent that, you know, when she walks from the, you know, back of the frame to the front of the frame, you know, you see her walk. But the time that she's in like the frame to open the door, her head and her legs are out of the shot. It's yeah, just, it's really the, just the, the torso, it's her torso in her hand. And they do that shot twice. And then but the second time there's no sock on the doorknob. Yeah. And oh, the sex sock. The sex suck, yeah, and and it, it's sort of like you know, it just sort of calls back to the phone thing, where it's almost the exact same shot, but there's one little thing that's different. That one little thing makes all the difference in the shot. Yep. Um, where you know it goes from being like a door that she can't get into to a door that she can get into a phone that's not ringing to a phone that is ringing. Um, there's a and, couple, uh, there's the, sorry. Go ahead, no, no. I, I was gonna say the, another another repeated shot, and this is one of the things I was thinking of as kind of a red herring. Uh, the, the, the few times we do see her go into her dorm room, uh, where she's got the awful roommate who's apparently always having sex with some guy in the places, a pigsty, blah, 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 which is why she was moving to the apartment, which another red herring, um, they, they always do this real low to the floor tracking shot. Like the camera's just sitting basically on the floor and they sort of swivel a, a smooth swivel tracking her moving through there. And I really, I was looking at that and thinking, okay, this has got to be setting up something. We're going to have some sort of callback to the shot. Uh, like the first time they did it, it was just sort of conspicuous. The second time they did it, it was conspicuous in its repetition. Uh, yeah. And it really made me think, okay, well, there's a very good chance there's going to be some sort of follow-up shot where something is going to be wrong and different about uh, the contents of this room in this otherwise very sort of, you know, conspicuous, but, but understated, uh, slow pan. Uh, but then there never is. I, you know, I was, I was wondering if there was going to be like a corpse on the, the floor or something at some point, the third time we visited this particular camera shop, but then there never, there never really was. She didn't end up. Did you uh, notice the like really clear division between like her roommates, half of the room and her half of the room where like the <laughs> enormous mess of stuff just cuts out. And then it's her like clean half. I did not I that was that. No, um, the, the other thing about that shot was that, you know, um, I think the second time it happens and she like, you know, she finally, la- she lays down on the bed um, and, you know, she's laying there down on the bed and, you know, her roommate's snoring and then you hear like, like the high pitch, you know, just like, um, you know, like the score. It's not even, it's not even like a part of the score. It's just like a high pitched ringing. Yeah. And then there's like that deep bass growling and it's like the horror movie, something is going very wrong sound. And next thing you see her, she's in the bathroom. She turns on all three taps and then there's again, this like slow pan across the bathroom cells and you think that you're going to see something and, but it's just like the really very obvious thing that makes sense, which is that she's incredibly stressed and she's crying in the bathroom and didn't want anybody to hear her. And just like the way they set that up was, um, you know, you know, it it was, it was, I don't even know. I don't even know if that's like, it's, I mean, it is in a way a red herring because you expect something worse, you know, something supernatural or, you know, at least bad to happen rather than, you know, just her crying. Um, and it doesn't happen, but at the same time, you know, it makes perfect sense because that's, you know, for, it is like an incredibly shitty, stressful situation for her. It's like, you know, her own personal, you know, sort of like pre-actual horror, horror thing yeah. where, you know, like life is really hard. And then there's a very, uh, there's a very, very tight shot on the water going down the drain, um, which first of all, I think, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that that was like a, like a mild psycho reference, because uh, there was a couple of those. Um, there was a couple of references to Psycho. And um, also just like, you know, s- there's there's a couple of stuff that's set up in the first act that like um, calls to things in the second and third act, but they're not related. 
like the drain because there, there's stuff happens with the drain uh later on that's important but you know they're different drains there it's there's nothing stuff happens with like the pizza tasting bad um being able to you know hear somebody when you shouldn't things like that it's just all oh, it's all repeated but it goes from being like mundane but set up scarily to scary and set up scarily which i enjoyed yeah the, yeah all those all those little echoes throughout the film uh it, it, it's an interesting part of the way it's structured that that is yeah mm-hmm. such a such a consistent sort of part of uh the little things that play out yeah. um Oh, and the fact that the omens—that's not their house. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a nice reveal. Okay, so yeah, yeah. The, the 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 fact that uh, uh, and, and I, when you I, watch I, it the second time, it becomes really obvious. See, I I I, I really I, I gotta say, I, I I only watched this once, and I watched this last okay. night, and so it's fresh in my mind. But I didn't really mm-hmm. go back and revisit all these things, and and I, I regret not doing that because I think this is a situation where it would have been really worth it to watch it twice. But the problem is. I've just trained myself to be so <laughs> I just have to live through this on <laughs> several movies we've watched that like there was no way I was going to watch prophecy Four more than once, you know, I, oh, yeah, I barely no, watched it once, not. you know, it's like, and so we've, I, I really got myself in a mindset where like, you know, not even expecting the film to be bad. I was still just sort of putting it off. Like he's like, I need to watch it before Sunday at 10, you know, worst case scenario, I'll get up at seven o'clock and watch it. You know, that, that's, that's sort of like the, the approach to, well, as long as it gets done that I've, I've gotten the habit of taking the stuff we're watching <laughs> lately. So I, I really need to, I need to get over that so and remember that if I enjoy a movie, I can watch it again. And if I don't, I can not watch it again, but maybe I should watch it before the night before. So I have that opportunity, you know? Yeah, that's actually so. Before I mention, because I actually want to talk about how I watch this, but before that, the what what becomes obvious on rewatch that it's not their house is remember when she finds the photos. Yeah. When you watch it the second time, there's no photos. There's no family photos. There's nothing personal in that house. It's it. it you know, it might as well be like one of those uh, show houses, oh, like Arrested Development. That's interesting there's point. there's nothing personal about it at all. Yeah. And, you know, nothing on the fridge, nothing in the mantles, nothing. It's all just decoration, and that's it. And so, you know, when you watch it the second time, we're like, you, you know, you'd think she'd find that weird, but, you know, we didn't the first time we watched it, or yeah. like the time that we watched it. But yeah, so what I want to say is, so when we decided to watch like an actual scary horror movie, um, the first time I sat down, it was just like, you know, I waited till like 11 o'clock at night, I turned out all the lights, I put on a candle because I wanted to smell like pine because we have a fake tree, so <laughs> we also use a candle, but also because candles are spooky. Um, and I was just like, I sat down and I like, consciously kept myself from like you know trying to analyze the movie in any way just like you know not you know not not in a good way like where i was you know trying to be like oh that's references that thing even though you know like when that happens i just like sit and watch the movie yeah yeah i tried and then i also tried not to like look for the you know look for the strings holding up the spaceship and the zipper suit on the on the zipper on the monster suit um and then the second time i watched it i watched it actually you know like analytically and um, that uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Like, I had no idea that, that the movie was going to be as I literally knew nothing about this movie. I did that on purpose. Yeah, like you know, we picked the movie. I, I read the um, IMDb description, and then I, I did not do anything about it. So I had no idea what I was in for. And then you know, when the movie starts out, I'm like, oh, it's a period piece. And I'm just like, wow, the camera's weird. And then the credits cut in. They're like, you know, like the yellow credit on the freeze frame. <laughs> yeah, the freeze I'm frame. like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> 
I was just like, oh, I hope this is good because if they don't pull this off, it's yeah, it's going to be very bad. But they, you know, he pulled it off, yep. and I, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, that, that 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 freeze frame title with the yellow title text was yeah that was that was that was making a big promise. I was like, oh man, okay, I see where we're going with this, and I hope we actually get there. And then the film really. Uh, did a good job with that, as we've sort of talked about yeah, a little bit already. It's sort of, yeah, I, I just, I want to compare this to Cabin in the Woods in that it's just, it, it's similar in a lot of the same ways, but unlike Cabin in the Woods, which just sort of like, you know, turns the whole thing inside out, and then, you, you know, you can see the guts, and you can see what it's made of, and you can see, and, you know, you, you, you know what it's doing. This is sort of like the opposite, where it's just, you know, very, very lovingly and carefully crafted to the extent that if somebody puts this on and says this is, you know, a horror movie from 1982 and, you know, they don't know the fact, you know, they don't know any of the actors and they don't know the fact that the actors are, you know, that a old contemporarily, um, you know, be like, oh, yeah, that that was a real, you know, that's a horror movie from 1982. Definitely. Um, you know, it was it was like that difference. Um, and in many ways, that's a lot harder to pull off. Yeah, no, and, and uh, it's, it, it's really interesting. I, I think setting those two side by side is really good too because it is a it, it is they both uh, House of the Devil and Cabin in the Woods are both films made by people who absolutely you know clearly absolutely love horror and absolutely are versed in the genre and 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 are making a film that is unquestionably at least as much about their love of the horror genre as it is about anything else that it's about um, and, and yet, yeah, like you say, they're, they do it in such different ways. And I think the comparison is really interesting because, cause, cause this does it with such a straight face. I, I, I think the thing is with cabin with in the woods, anybody, even someone who doesn't really follow horror is going to appreciate probably a lot of what Joss Whedon ended up writing into that because it really sort of, it, it, it's really aggressively lampshading, uh, all those things about horror movies. It's, it's taking and, and sort of winking at, Oh, well this, you know how that always happens and, and, and playing it for laughs and playing it for, you know, really sort of, uh, clear twists. Like, you know, it, it's sort of wearing its heart on its sleeve in, in terms of how much it knows about the things that are silly about horror movies and the things that don't make sense and framing that. Whereas this just really, yeah, like you say, it, it it's really, sort of lovingly straight-faced. It, it, it really just, it tries to be an 80s horror movie like as, as earnestly as possible, which is, which is more subtle because someone who doesn't specifically subscribe to that plan may not really dig that that's what's going on. They may not really like the film for the sake of that, in which case they might just think, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure I really liked that because, uh, you know, whatever, complaints that in a vacuum would be perfectly reasonable complaints, uh, but in the context of sort of the history of horror films, you know, you would never make that complaint as someone who is, you know, a, a student, so to speak of horror films, because you, it'd be like, it'd be like listening to someone, you know, sort of break down uh, a piece of literature and then say, yeah, but I don't like it because, you know, I disagree with that aesthetic, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but that's not really the point. If you don't like the aesthetic, you know, yeah, you're not going to like a treatise on that aesthetic, but it's an aesthetic. It's that's that's the whole point. It's it's a it's a way right. of doing things. It's a there's yeah. Anyway, that that sort of went off. I don't even know where I am at this point in this in this uh, <laughs> this this monologue. But yes, yeah. in other words, I yes, want to say um, yeah. I would say <laughs> Jocelyn Donahue. I don't uh, who plays Sam. I don't know how they did this, but she is like 
has that last girl look down so well that it was I was just amazed that I'm not like watching a young Sigourney Weaver, or a young Jamie Lee Curtis on the screen. She's got like, you know, they, they, they dress her up, you know, in like the late 70s, early 80s clothes. Yeah, but just like the, you know, the way that the light falls on her face and, you know, those like deep set eyes and like the jawbones where like every time whoever did the lighting on this is really good because like every time that they needed to light her face in a way to make her look just like a very specific way. Like when she's, you know, when she's on the stairs and just like her uh, her cheekbones just like cut like these really dark shadows right onto her cheeks or when she's in the attic and she backs up just slightly into the um just slightly out of the light and her eyes completely disappear in shadow and it just looks like a skull. Um, and yeah. And then she's just, you know, she's got the, like she's, she's got like the narrowing of the eyes thing down where she can go from like looking scared to looking determined to looking scared and just back and forth. Yeah. I just, the, that casting was, I, if she hadn't played the lead in this movie and it was somebody that did, that couldn't do what she did, it would have been a considerably worse, like considerably worse. Yeah, movie. no, I, I, a lot of the movie, that's, that's, that's really fair. A lot of the movie really hung on her ability to sort of nail down the specific uh, stuff that needs to work for that type of character in this type of film. Like, yeah, she really, uh, like you say, the last girl, I mean, she really embodied that very well in a way that... Uh, good casting, good casting, good directing, good use of, of all of that... Um, it's funny because, and she has, she also does really sort of hit a lot of like early eighties, like, like, like if this had actually been made in the early eighties, um, totally could have been like, you know, it'd be easy to imagine like, like Karen Allen or Margot Kidder, um, mm-hmm. uh, Karen Allen was, uh, what's her face in Indiana Jones. Uh, she was in Starman. She was, uh, yes. Anyway, similar look, you know, um, and yeah, it's sort of interesting uh, how they managed to get someone who sort of feels plausibly like, you know, that, that early 80s thing style-wise and also, yeah, hit all those notes. Uh, yeah, she was, she was really great. She really, she really made it work. Um, you know, this is the, uh, the last theatrical movie to be released on VHS. Oh, yeah? It came, yeah, the like, special edition DVD came bundled with a VHS of it. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, and uh, speaking of... Uh, the anthology film VHS. Uh, one of the films in that was by Ty West, who uh, ah. who who made this. So, uh, which which have have you watched that? I haven't watched it yet. I think we should do. I I I read a little bit about it because I was reading up on Ty West, who isn't. He's not that accomplished in the sense that his career is just starting out. He's young. Yeah. Um. And I was really surprised, like, because this is. This is a movie that like can either be made by somebody who's young and is really good or by somebody who's made a lot of movies and, you know, just has it down to a T and I'm sort of glad it's the former just cuz there's going to be cuz <laughs> this guy there's going to be a lot of yeah. great stuff coming out of this guy. Yeah, no, I uh, um, yeah, so I haven't seen VHS now. You you should watch it. We should do it sometime. I've, I've seen it. I, yeah. I just watched VHS 2 uh I don't know, a week or two ago and really enjoyed that as well. Um he also wrote uh, something for uh, the ABCs of Death, ABCs. which I think I mentioned. So yeah, he's mm-hmm. he seems to be like in that uh, you know young horror anthology thing, which I, I really hope that keeps being a thing. I, like, I think we talked about this last time, but I really mm. yeah we did. I really I, I really enjoy 
watching people play around with with short horror like this and and seeing people sort of making this into a, a real sort of like resurging little uh format is is nice so uh so yeah but uh but uh oh gosh what else were we gonna i had something but where did they get it. those old candy bars because <laughs> they don't package candy bars like that anymore you know i i bet you i bet you they just uh uh came up with made their uh, own yeah they, they probably well i mean it'd be easy enough uh, if it doesn't really matter what the candy bar actually is you just need the wrapper to look right right so you, you get well the you need the wrapper candy. and you need that thing on the inside that they haven't put into candy bars in a very long time well yeah like but that, that, I, i'm saying you you, you you print up the custom wrapper uh oh and then and, you slide the thing in there yeah you, you, you slide in a little bit of yeah the, the 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 paper thing is no problem and then yeah you just slide that in and you seal it up with your heat sealer and boom you got your custom candy bar i think i, I think that's probably one of the less difficult uh prop things for them to to pull off all told but i'd be curious that yeah, they found on eBay. Was, yeah the, the hospital i want to know how they did that hospital thing because the entire shot was full of equipment they no longer have in hospitals and it was i mean that that had to have been a uh, that was a almost definitely a location shot that wasn't that didn't look like a set shot uh, that looks like a set shot to you? No, I, 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 I yeah. think I think location makes sense. Uh, yeah, and well, you know, I was talking earlier about how we thought, like, you know, we were still a half an hour from the end of the movie. We were just getting excited as we came in the hospital uh, that okay, Act Three is going to be spooky hospital stuff. Uh, but then it turns out that was just like literally the last two minutes of the <laughs> film. Uh, so uh, I was thinking all like Silent Hill and who knows what's going to happen yeah. here and whatnot. Um, well, yeah, you know, there's a there, there's a store in town here called City Liquidators. It's really sort of like a a, a retail. <laughs> it's full stuff of sewage. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, it's it's all it's like a giant uh, collection of like random uh, sort of resale and salvage shit. Um, mm. So if you if you need uh, if you need today a counter for your uh, new ice cream shop that you're opening go down to city liquidator so that you can find something for like you know 400 bucks it's like you know eight foot long is that, is, showcase is that good for a counter i, I don't uh, i don't know i don't I mean, i've never started an ice cream shop so i've never really priced them out but uh yeah well, and, and dollars that's babysitting money <laughs> <laughs> and they've got uh they've got a bunch of random uh office and and uh, industrial and medical stuff in there too so i think if, if you wanted a dentist chair let's put it that way if you wanted a dentist chair today i could get you a dentist chair i can i could soap check you that stuff without you a problem put just me in a dentist in. chair today exactly you know uh please don't so i figure there's please gotta be places like and yeah i wonder if that's what they did essentially was yeah get a hold of like a medical surplus uh place or just something like city liquidators and track down a bunch maybe of connecticut just has really shitty hospitals that could be that could be uh. <laughs> uh. Oh, um, the scene where May. So, first of all, I want to say I loved Megan. Like that, I I have seen characters developed less in three hour movies that then they were like the main character. Yeah, like they in in the I'm gonna say what was she on like 20 minutes total screen time maybe even less. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they developed the hell out of that character, and then they just shot her in the face. Which that's was, that's how you do it. That was a, <laughs> that was, that was yeah no no I, I I shouldn't get excited about the the face shooting when 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 the the, the character development yeah no I, she was a lot of fun the actress was great 
set her up as like the the best friend foil but made her not just like this one no like she wasn't just the dumb best friend or the skeptical best friend or the 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 sloppy best friend or whatever it wasn't just sort of like oh yeah and then there's my blonde friend who's you know the secondary character is more like yeah she was just like she was clearly stephanie's friend they clearly agreed about some stuff and disagreed about some stuff they were clearly you know sort of bros uh and yeah a lot of a lot of fun little detail a lot of a little sense of that character uh that didn't need to be there because i mean she really was in a sense a throwaway character she was there uh to not be there anymore was her primary uh role in the film was to just not actually be coming back um so yeah they didn't even really need to be that doting with it but they really did set her up well and she was a lot of fun to and then when she dies you you know it's it, it was less scary and more sort of I was just when I when I watched it I was like oh crap and I was like oh she's not going to be in the movie anymore and I was like that's that's how you know you you made a good character when people say oh that, you know and you know that's 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 on purpose you know the somebody died now you miss them it's it, yep. it worked yeah uh, yeah and uh, I. Because yeah, a lot of horror, a lot of horror movies will just sort of dispense with a character, and to some extent, they'll you know depending on the film, they may even set it up like you can even have sort of a somewhat unlikable secondary character. So then, when you get rid of them, it can almost be like, a, oh, okay, now we're gonna have a cool death. You know, it's like you know, or you, you can make some, an entire movie full of those kind of characters and those kind of deaths <laughs> and call it Cloverfield. <laughs> well, the Final Destination film. Uh, films were the characters probably. unlikable in that? They they were they were largely unlikable. Yeah, I mean in, in the first one certainly. Um, I I never watched the rest and and <laughs> the our, our project our project this year has convinced me maybe not to be as excited as others might be about the the prospect of watching the rest. But uh, but yeah, there were a bunch of sort of like you know unlikable high school i'm not sure they were even all of them were supposed to be quite as unlikable like i don't i'm not sure the protagonist was supposed to be unlikable but i didn't like him uh but uh, some of them were definitely supposed to be sort of like you know shrill or 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 dickish or or whatnot so then when they get killed it's not like oh my god they killed jim it's more like oh man jim got his head chopped off fucking jim you know so you can like a lot of films like let you or intentionally try and get you on board a little bit so that you're like, oh, well, okay, that murder is bad, but that was pretty cool, and fuck that guy. Whereas Megan was like, you know, we weren't, we weren't supposed to be invested at a, you know, this is a life and death situation with her the way we are with Stephanie. Like, Stephanie, we're basically, from the opening shot, we know this is the girl who we're going to have to wonder if she lives through this. Whereas Megan is like, well, you know, we, we weren't really thinking about it, but 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 we did know by by the second act, you know, once once she dropped uh, Stephanie off, that uh, okay, she's not probably going to make it back, or at least not as expected. But we don't know how. And but but but, but you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, yes, but is she going to live? And I was worried about her by the time she actually did get shot in the face. But but I was still yeah, you'd actively think it'd be like you know kidnapped and then she has to escape and then rescue Sam yeah. or something like that but nope just just bam. really abrupt and I, I, I laughed out loud when it happened like just in sort of like a oh shit what the fuck just happened way not in a ha ha uh, just like you know like well done film director you just uh, got me right the the hell because it's, it's such an interesting shot when so she drops Stephanie off she, she goes and hangs out 
She's just going to sit in her car and smoke at the graveyard instead of driving home, I guess. And she pulls into the graveyard. <laughs> she pulls into the graveyard, which uh, I don't even know why the graveyard's there other than to be sort of creepy, but then they bring it. Or little- what it's illuminated by. Oh, ho, ho, yes. A lot, of, a lot of moonlight in this movie, uh, except for when there isn't. Um, but yeah, so she pulls in, she's sitting there, she's lighting up a cigarette, and then a cigarette lighter comes out of nowhere, and we get some bearded you know, 20 or 30 something dude. Uh, and she's like, whoa. And, and he's like, Oh, Hey, I didn't mean to scare you. And it's like, yeah, I was just being wildly inappropriate in a creepy graveyard. at yeah. night. And so I was like, I'm sitting here and I'm processing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, we've got the guy who's obviously being sort of weird, but at the same time, he's being a little bit, you know, charming and friendly. At yeah. Least he was for, definitely trying to be charming. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're, yeah, it really felt like the start, like, like it was starting to set up a, okay, but this is going to go bad somehow, or, or possibly it's going to turn out that he's actually like some guy who thinks there's Satanist in this house and he's, you know, a, a vigilante anti-Satanist or something. But, but still the, the likely thing felt like, you know, it's going to be, you know, this is going to be trouble. Uh, and I'm still just sort of like thinking through the various ways this could go when bam. Yeah. He's like, Oh, you're not the babysitter pulls out a gun, shoots her in the head point blank and boom, that's done. It's like, Holy shit. It was really, it was really effectively jumping the gun, uh, on yeah. what felt like the, the, the typical structuring of that kind of interaction. So I, I, yeah. I, I liked that they did that. And I like that, like right before that, you know, when he's just like, boy, it sure is cold out. She's like, yeah. And, and then, and then she's just like, where did you come from? Right. I didn't see, were you hiding? <laughs> <laughs> And like, you know, and you get like, it's just beat, beat, beat. You know, she figures out that's like, wait, something's wrong. He's just like, are you the babysitter now? She's like, oh, wait. So he's, he's definitely in on something. And then before you know it, before you can process any of that things, she's dead. And he's, you know, like picking up her cigarette and driving the car away. Ganking her cigarette is such a kick the dog moment too. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, it's bad enough that you, you just shot that lady in the face and you're obviously a terrible, you know, murdery villain, but, but then you just go and take your cigarette too. It's like, you know, dick move. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I saw that and I was like, I was immediately thinking, Oh, is this, is this the adult son? Cause the with Tom Noonan, the father Satanist mentioned early on, you know, in the, his discussion with Stephanie that, Oh yeah, I mean, we, we don't have, I mean, we do, but we have a child, but he's grown and, or, or they're grown. I don't remember they even gendered it, but, uh, but yeah, so I was immediately like, Oh, I think that maybe that's, and so, I was, I felt good about guessing correctly that that's what was going on there once that all went down. But uh. oh, but uh, rewind the thing I want to mention about Megan is the scene where uh, you know Noonan calls away, and this part I actually didn't like because it didn't make a lot of sense when uh, Noonan calls away Sam, being like, "Hey, you know, I can't pay two people," and she's like, "Oh, you know, Sam's leaving." And she's like, "Well, you know, she said she'd stay there without having to be paid for. His only problem is that he doesn't want to pay her. Why is she leaving?" Like that, uh, that didn't, I, I could not figure that out. Uh, and I don't know if that's, you know, just like the plot necessitated it and, you know, and they couldn't figure out a better way to do it in there. Or if that was, you know, more like horror movie thing doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's one of those things. Where like, I yeah, think that was. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it was useful to the plot, but that's not a good reason to do something. You could argue that maybe it's Sam just being like, I think. Like, 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 like I, I could buy her basically feeling like it was socially inappropriate for Megan to be like, oh, no, I'm totally going to be here, too. And so while she appreciated, you know, the gesture of her showing up, she's still like, you know, I think this guy is going to think it's weird if I do this, uh, if I have just my friend here for no reason. So I'm going to tell him that my friend is leaving. And But, yeah, it, it felt it, it was a little bit of a, mm, are you just 
making the character do something convenient for your storytelling or are we supposed to buy some sort of coherent motivation or are we supposed to just assume some sort of slightly irrational motivation because it's a tricky thing that's that that goes back to the uh, i was saying earlier it is this weird sort of snarl this ouroboros of of how do you judge decision making about thematically appropriate inappropriate decision making by characters in a horror movie made by someone who's clearly dotingly in love with classic horror movies because if you have the character make a smart decision where a horror movie character would usually make a dumb decision you're being a little bit unfaithful to the tropes that you are you know playing with but at the same time it's satisfying its own right to have the character not be dumb in a predictable way and so yeah it's like a lot of this stuff it it feels like it it comes down to looking at it you know through that lens and i'm not sure there's any unambiguous answer to a lot of them and i don't know if that's like praiseworthy or just sort of like saying okay well we're definitely in the genre but but yeah it, it's a weird thing uh she late later when she's at the house and she sort of there's the dancing scene she dances around yeah. the house for a, a a couple minutes she plays in pool she goes looking at stuff and and it's so conspicuous because it's like okay now let's have a dance montage and in in like an actual 80s film this would more likely be sort of a straight-faced, hey, and now let's have a wacky interlude sort of part of of the film. But that's totally wildly inappropriate for a, for a horror film. And it's... So trying to look at it in terms of sort of the character motivation, we've got Stephanie, who clearly is sort of spooked. She's sort of restless and a little bit freaked out doing this, but she's doing this anyway because she really needs the money. And, and so her putting on headphones and having a little montage could almost be like... I mean, I, I kind of read it as her trying to subjectively inhabit the state of being like, Oh, you know what it's time for? It's time to just cool the fuck off and be okay with this and have, a and good it was time. a very montage montage. Like yeah. the, the first shot is like all of the pool balls going into the yes. same five. Thing. Yeah. Five, five pool balls go into the same pocket inside two seconds, which is just silly. I mean, it was an objectively silly little note, but it's like, it was also very effective at saying, okay, well say, remember, remember eighties montages and, so yeah, I don't totally know how to feel that. It, it certainly set up the montage feeling, even if I'm not sure if I agree with that that decision to do it. It was certainly effective. At in, is the in montage feeling? It. Is that like the Barton Fink feeling? <laughs> I haven't seen Barton Fink in so long. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So the decisions and um, you know, just the uh, what do you call it? why things happen that's no i i agree that the um that, that there are things out of place and you don't know yeah you know, it, it makes it hard because it's it, no matter how like you know lovingly crafted it is to you know resemble a movie from that time just because of that it, it just totally messes with your ability to judge motivations and and just judge what's happening on the screen in a way that reflects on the director in any way, except this is completely intentional. Yeah. Um, and that, 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 that does make it a little difficult to just, you know, just try to sit down and, and analyze as to whether this is just like, not even, I mean, it's a good, there, there's no getting away from the fact that it's a good movie, but whether something is a good scene or not, or whether something is like a good, like plot beat or not, that becomes much harder. Yeah. And, and, and intentionality, I think is definitely the key word. Like uh, for all the stuff we've been talking about, like this, a lot of stuff in this film is very intentional. Whether or not I think it worked well, whether or not I think uh, it was the you know best possible way to go with it, it just drips with like you know there there's a very strong sense of directorial intent throughout. Um, 
as a contrast, I, I would say to uh, take it back to Don Coscarelli, um, a lot of the stuff in Phantasm that I liked, I don't feel like was necessarily done with super clear eyes. Like I, I, I like a scene, but I don't know that I believe Don Coscarelli was thinking about how that scene would affect me in the way that I think about how that scene affects me. Whereas in this film, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I've sort of like understood what Ty West was doing almost all of the time rather than wondering what he was smoking, you know, so. Right. <laughs> um, there was a line in the, oh. I, I just want to say real briefly, there's a line where uh, someone, uh, the mom Satanist says to uh, Stephanie, you know, you look awfully young to be in college, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause like, I mean, she's, she's, she looks young, but she doesn't look, awfully young to be in college to me she looks uh plausibly in college she looks maybe a little old to be a sophomore but but uh but it's a movie how old was she when this was shot i don't know oh look at that her age isn't in um imdb it's (laughs) it's one of those situations i would say i I think she i I would say i think she looks early 20s to me Um, yeah she i I felt like she oh 1981 yeah so she was 20 uh 28 at the time yeah and she did look a little, a little older than the, than than the role said. So, and again, is that is that lamp shading or is that you know just trying to distract the yeah. you know generally trying to distract the viewers? So yeah, or or does I mean, you say, hey, we've got this girl who's perfect for everything except for the part where she's supposed to be nineteen. She looks a little older than that. Fuck it, you know. I mean, I I, I don't know if the the, the flexibility of casting uh, really even allows for. <laughs> for being that picky about it. And certainly there's plenty of, yeah, like you say, uh, it could just be lampshading the fact that basically that's what always happens in every horror film ever with plucky teens is they're played by 20 year olds. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't actually, if she hadn't auditioned for this role and the role was written just knowing that she would be starring in the movie. Maybe. Yeah. I would not be surprised at that. Um, oh, so what I wanted to mention, um, so Megan eating the candy, red herring, but I totally. First of all, could you, could you even tell what candy that was? No, I couldn't. And she ate one, and yeah. she didn't like it, and spit it out. And then she ate another one, liked that one enough to grab a couple more to go. And then, yeah, nothing happens with it. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. and I'm just. I was just wondering what you know. The, I mean, it's clearly a red herring, but they it, it was it was done in such a way that you know there's I mean there's like kind of a eating candy thing repeated in the movie, but it wasn't enough for that. That you know I just I I didn't know the point of that. I think it was shot. just a lot of stuff seemed to be there specifically to just sort of put us a little bit on edge and wonder if it's going somewhere. Which you know setting up the tension of the film, keeping you constantly sort of thinking because the next okay, time how's somebody eats something bad? gross, it's poisoned. Yeah, so. And there's yeah, the, that sort of escalating uh, eating of things in the film from uh, from the uh, just apparently just actually not very good pizza at the pizzeria uh, earlier on in the film to uh, Megan eating the candy, which maybe it's Satan candy, maybe it's not. It's hard to know because if they did recently acquire this house by murdering the previous owners, it could just be shitty candy that the normal people uh, kept around, or it could be, yeah, Satan blood candy or something. Uh, then we get eating, eat, eating the, the doped pizza that, that Stephanie eats that knocks her out. Uh, and then eventually, you know, force feeding her, you know, blood as part of the, the big right at the end to knock her up with Satan's child. Uh, so it's sort of like an escalation of, of, of mouth horror, I guess of food horror, <laughs> uh, as far as that goes. 
There yeah, was a, a, uh, another. We we talked about faucets and whatnot. There's a there's a close up of the dripping faucet in the the spooky house, the the house of the devil, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a close up early on with Stephanie's time there of this kitchen faucet just dripping slowly. And I really wonder if they were going because they they come back to that faucet a couple times and she keeps refilling her water bottle. And I, I was wondering if it was going to be like dripping blood at some point. Yeah, or something, but they never really came back to that either. Well, I mean, they sort of, I mean, there was a point where she started following the faucets around and she ends up in the upstairs bathroom and finds like the bathtub full of hair. So yeah. I think that was the faucet payoff. I, I guess. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, it's a weird sort of like, you know, loose, like thematic thing rather than a clear tie to that specific faucet or, or an explanation for the extreme close up yeah. of the shot. So uh, it's an interesting sort of like, yeah, it's almost like more semantic setup than uh Another thing with that was all of the the weird phone stuff. Like, um, what's what's his name? Uh, Tom Noonan. I keep wanting to call him Tom Noonan. Uh, Daddy, say you know, uh, Mr. Ullman. Yeah, Mr. Ullman. Uh, you know, is it you know dials back the payphone, and it's like you know, there's many ways I can think that you could sort of pull that off, but outside of you know Mystic Satan powers, I can't think of any. And then the fact that you know, um. The phone number, you know, goes to the pizza guy who's actually, you know, Victor, their son. So, was he hanging out by another phone? You know, there, you know, nobody had cell phones. You know, and what happened if she were if she was gonna just call the pizza place right off the bat, right after they left, while he was still murdering Megan? Um, it does you know, feel like a little bit of a hole there. Maybe, maybe he has pizza place. Maybe, maybe he has some super modern mobile Satan phone in his sweet fucking van. Cause he had a sweet fucking van. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> it, it feels, that feels like just a, a, a bit of sloppiness. Cause yeah, I don't know how you deal with that. And it, where did he get a hot pizza? That's the thing. Like, yeah, I feel like if he was hanging out by a payphone near a pizza joint, that totally works. Cause he's, he's sitting there, he's waiting. Uh, she calls in the pizza order. He, he takes it and then he goes in and he orders a pizza. And then he drives her. So that that I can buy all that. The the problem with dealing with Megan is more of a tricky thing because if he's hanging out in the graveyard, how can he be hanging out waiting for a phone call? Uh, so I think that might just be sort of like a legit plot hole. And what happened if she? And you know, he meant the new uh, fucking Allman mentions pizza three times and like as if he made a mistake. But it's clearly you know to plant it in her head that she should have pizza. What if she wanted Chinese food? <laughs> well, the whole plan just falls apart. Like I, they they resting. <laughs> plan on these really precarious things it's like all right we have to get somebody to agree to babysit our mother that's you know that's how we'll lure somebody in here during the height of satan panic i'm sure that'll work and you know just like the fact that their plan actually works is really surprising (laughs) they're not very good at whatever the hell it is they're doing yeah it it does seem a little uh poorly structured And, and and i guess maybe when it comes down to it they they could uh so, okay, so here's what I was expecting with the pizza. Until, we've, until I sort of like put it together that what had happened was the son was waiting by the phone that the number that the dad provided was going to go to. I was originally thinking maybe like order a pizza if you want to, or he was actually just awkwardly suggesting, okay, by the way, this place will deliver you know to us out in the boonies here. Uh, and that he would order the pizza and then the son would just be waiting and would murder the pizza guy, take the pizza and then deliver the pizza pretending to be the pizza guy, uh, which I, I actually, as, as a dumb plan goes, I kind of liked a little bit better than him just actually being the fake pizza guy from the get go. But, uh, 
but it is also a little bit more elaborate, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens if she orders Chinese. I, uh, well, maybe they didn't have Chinese food in 1982. Maybe, maybe. And again, maybe out of the boonies, maybe no one else would deliver. Maybe that's just the issue is like, yeah, you, you can't rely on anything other than this one pizza place. Um, oh, I, um, when they say, when uh, Mrs. Ullman says we're from the desert, was that, was that something? I don't know. Or I mean, was that it, just it, nothing? It, it was a conspicuous line, but I, I, I didn't place it to anything. So I, I, don't I mean, know. everything she said was conspicuous like that. You know, she yeah. was just walking conspicuity, but yeah. I like I like the, this, the 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 Volvo. I'm disappointed that Volvo turned out to be just stolen from the yeah. family because I was really hoping it was yeah. like Satan red, whereas uh, <laughs> I think it was just a red Volvo. You know this? It's it, there's a home invasion prequel movie to be made to this, and maybe that was you know like <laughs> sweet ass van of the devil, because um, you know the 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 murdered uh, family. Um, you know, it's funny. I was looking for, for, for like, you know, stills from this movie, um, on Google image search. And one of them comes up is like the resume of a PA that worked on this movie, whose job it was, was to photograph the FX shots set up. And there's just like a series of three photographs of them putting like the makeup on the kid who's sacrificed. And he's just like this big happy face on him. It's hilarious. (laughs) Link to that in the blog. Um, but yeah, there was a... Uh, oh, you know what? The other thing is, when, when she opens up that closet, she's just like, Mrs. Elman said these furs were downstairs. It's like, well, you know, there... And, and it's, you know, phrases like, it's like, oh, she clearly lied again. But what she could have mm, too many furs for one closet. That's, you know, they're, they're rich and weird. Yep. Both at the same time. Yep. Um, yeah, 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 that felt like... Uh, the, the the photo, I'm glad they had the photo of the Volvo there because with a family who was clearly not the Ullmans standing in front of it, like, you know, this is our house and our car. Because that, that really, that, that, that set up, there is something wrong here. And if I think, if, the, if they had just hung it off the furs being in the wrong place, uh, it would have felt like way too much of a twig on a, a subtle thing. Um, yeah. e- even then, it felt like she really sort of twigged hard at that point. But I'm willing to buy, okay, she's maybe making the connection that there's something wrong here and having that moment of realization as she sees the picture of the, the Volvo and the, the unknown family. Um, but there was a, oh, geez, what was it? Some dumb little note I wanted. Oh, you know, there, there's a harpsichord, which is, you know, how, yeah. how much, how more gothic can you get than having a harpsichord? Uh, but theremin. then was what? But was the funny har- if they just had a theremin down there and she played the theremin for like a couple of notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's a question: Was the harpsichord something they brought with them when they murdered these people and stole their house, or did the people with the Volvo also own a harpsichord? Because you know it's yeah, a that's mixed, the people- mixed bag there. Yeah, the people with the Volvo looked like they maybe it came with the house when the people with the Volvo bought it because they didn't seem like the harpsichord having type. Yeah, yeah. So they seemed sort of they they seemed like a sort of like a rusticy family, but you know maybe they were dressed for camping or something because there was also that like sort of fancy office with the big glasses that she finds. Um, so you know maybe maybe that stuff came with the house like on Charles in charge. Yeah, but also the harpsichord. She plays a few notes of heart and soul. Which uh, is that? What that is? Yeah, dun, 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 ba-da, 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 dun, dun. yeah. She was playing a little bit of that, and it's heart and soul, heart and soul. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought it was cute, uh, but it's also, I think, a really appropriately early '80s too. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I recognize it from. Um, unless, uh, 
you know, I had no idea what the tune was from, but it was definitely like something I had heard in an 80s movie, possibly during a montage. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what I really enjoyed? The um, Megan's phone message, where she's just like, hello, I'm not here right now. Uh, you know, that went from being annoying to just like being incredibly just like anxiety inducing from my... Uh, you know, a uh, vicarious sort of point of view where, like, every time she's waiting, she, you know, like, the fact that Megan would pick up would, like, save her or calm her down, and the fact that every single time the phone does that stupid thing, yep. it was, you know, I, I I enjoyed that it, was, it wasn't just, like, a regular phone message because that wouldn't have been nearly as, um, you know, you wouldn't have had that beat where you think that she's going to get to it, and nope. And then by the time that you know that she's not going to pick up, um, or wait, no, I think it starts... You know, by the time, the, the first time uh, Sam calls her, she's already dead, right? Yeah, yeah, she's already yeah. dead. Yeah, so. Um, I like the fact that the, um, you know, during the dance, so first of all, the dance montage, the dance montage I like the dancing was very 80s dancing. Um, you know, if, if the movie was done today, and there was a scene where somebody was dancing around their iPad, they'd be dancing pretty differently, I'd think. Yep. A little twerking. Um, yeah, exactly. It'd be, they'd definitely be more influenced by you know, like hip hop music and stuff than that, you know, whatever that was, was when she was dancing to the fix. Um, but I like the fact that right when she drops the vase, the movie, the uh, sound switches from like, um, sort of like that mix of diegetic and non-diegetic to completely diegetic. Cause you can only hear it coming out of her headphones and it's really tinny. And just like that really like sudden, like uh, pull out of the montage into, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Um, and again, it's not like a spooky oh shit. It's a oh, I just did something bad oh shit. Yep. Um, and then the spooky stuff, you know. The, the, but there, there ends up being spooky stuff. But it's another thing like her crying in the bathroom, where it's like you know they do the horror movie, um, the horror movie like twist into it. And like when she opens the door to the billiard room, and you know like there's a dark door, you know there's like the totally dark room, and she opens it, and you know all you see is the illumination from the outside in her face. She lights it up, and you're gonna be like, oh, Satan stuff. It's like no, it's a billiard table. Yep. And then they do the Satan stuff room thing, but she never actually <laughs> opens the door. Yeah, Grandma's room the whole time was actually that whole satanic pentagram with the dead bodies. And I want to say like, like, like they've got the the, the pentagram. And someone laid out looking a little messianic. Uh, but then there's the two other bodies, too. And those are just sort of slopped by the side of the, the pen. It felt a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, sloppy. Well, like I mean, the same was, thing with, you know, they, they dragged Megan's corpse or, you know, well, no, I, didn't, I guess they only dragged it to the first floor because, uh, you know, Megan's corpse ends up in the house. And I'm just like, why? Why? Did, did they maybe they need it for something? The blood or? Yep. Because why, why just leave it in the car? It's not like they're not going to think there's a dead body in this blood-covered car full of skull and brain. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation was there. Maybe, the, maybe it's just like, maybe he left a body in the car one time and the car really, really stunk afterwards. It's like, oh, shit, I need, I need to not do that again. Um, I, like- maybe, I, th- I think it was just for the convenient blood puddle for her to have a pratfall and then so her like white thing is all completely drenched in blood instead of just a little bit. Yeah. I liked uh, I, I liked the pizza delivery scene. Like I still didn't quite know what was going on, but I was assuming that the pizza was going to be delivered by uh, the the son who I described as lumberjack hobo up until I put everything together. <laughs> lumberjack hobo. Um, but but again, we have a, a, a it's another shot where it's it's close in and really we're getting torso and doorknob, and and so we get just like somebody, some guy has this pizza and knocks on the door, and Stephanie opens the door 
grabs a pizza, throws the money, closes the door, says yeah. thank you, and sits down with it. Uh, and so we, yeah, we we get no immediate satisfaction. They deny us any sort of immediate confirmation of of who's got the the pizza, but also just the the exchange of the snagging the pizza, throwing the money, slamming the door is 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 so sort of like surprising and out of nowhere that it's it's a wonderful sort of disruption of that creeping. Oh man, we're gonna because you know you're thinking maybe we'll get a shot of like him pretending to be nice and whatnot or something like that, and we don't get any interaction. We don't get any interaction at all. She just like literally yep. shuts it down. Uh, which I, I thought was funny. Also, but I also she sort of grabs that pizza. And it, that pizza goes vertical when she's holding yep. it. It is insufficiently fucked up when she finally opens it. That's minor That's, complaint. Unless maybe it was just really cardboardy pizza. Did you? I think it was. I mean, it looked it it looked like cold pizza, and it probably was cold pizza because I mean it's a prop. Yep. It actually reminded me of um on on the third rock from the sun. There's uh. Uh, there, there's an episode where he's just like, family, I brought home a pizza, and you see it carrying under his arm like a briefcase, and then he puts it down and opens it up, and it's all crunched up, and he's like, oh, they messed it up again every single time. <laughs> um, it just reminded me of that. I like- yeah, I mean, I guess that just, you know, New Hyde Park has really shitty pizza. Yeah. I'd be surprised. I like that she ends up using the butcher knife that she doesn't, you know, end up using for anything else mm-hmm. up to that point to cut the pizza that's already been cut. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Uh, why was she? Why, why did that happen? Like, I, and again, maybe that, the, the idea that she's nervy. The idea—I mean—it's frequently established that she's sort of like fastidious and, and germophobic. Uh, that's true in the film. So that could just be another thing, like the fact that she would like you know want to make sure she got a good and cut or something. But yeah, it's, it's one of those like you, you sort of have to read that into it because there's nothing there specifically to make it make sense. It seems like she would have like opened the pizza box, seen that the pizza was already cut, and just sort of shrugged and put the pizza down instead of futzing with it but uh but hey what do you do complain on the internet that's what <laughs> exactly i d- like the, with the going up I, I i sort of said this earlier but i had a note where uh as i was watching the film i wrote i don't know whether to high five the film for making me say no don't go upstairs repeatedly or be annoyed that she keeps going upstairs repeatedly the, the weird tension uh, again, that we've talked about a bunch of times between sort of like doting affection for the the stupid things people do in horror films and people doing stupid things in horror films that you just made another horror film where someone did something stupid again. I really went back and forth and uh, on sort of my feelings yeah. about the film. That was but the the bathtub full of hair. Uh, yeah, no idea what was up with that. Yeah, whose hair was that? I don't know. Maybe it was grandma's hair. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Tom. No, because grandma's hair is. Because Grandma's hair is, you know, it, it's long and gray and, and and stringy. Tom Noonan's hair is Tom Noonan's hair. He's, you know, yep, the man has gone gray and partially bald, and so has Mrs. Ullman. She's got Tom Noonan hair under that wig. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know whose hair that was supposed maybe, to be. Maybe, maybe the son is a, a wolf man a little bit, and he just was shaving his chest earlier. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, don't I, know. I, I don't know. maybe it's supposed to be like one of those like inexplicable things, like in The Shining, where um, you know, where where he where where, you know, just that scene with like the 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 guy in the bear suit. Yeah, the first suit blowjob. Yeah, the uh, you know maybe it's just one of those things. It's like you have no idea why, but yeah. you know you don't know why this is. You don't know why it would be there. Why they didn't clean it up or whatever it is. That tub full of hair is pretty fucking freaky when you're not expecting it. Yep. A couple other little notes about that too. It was a really effective mm-hmm. classic. Uh, you know, slow, slow sort of approach shot, like, like slowly yeah. moving towards the tub. 
the, the the big tension of like you know what's behind the shower curtain, what's obscured in the tub, and uh, and so like that by itself is just worth saying. Okay, classic, classic. Oh no, what's in the tub? What's in the shower? Shot executed well, but also the fact that it was full of hair. Uh, my my wife noted this. The the film doesn't really do any. Uh, or, or at least many that we noticed, uh, like fake out scares. Like it doesn't do any shocks that were actually nothing sort of things. You don't get a whole bunch well, of was, loud noises for no reason that, you know, scare you. And then you're like, Oh, it was just a loud noise. Um, they did one exact, I think they did exactly one and it was effective. And, and that was enough. Cause the, when she's skulking up the stairs, like with the knife, you know, when she's skulking all over the house with a knife and then she's about to go into the attic, I guess. And then that's when the doorbell rings and she yeah. freaks the fuck out. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's why the pizza exchange was so, uh, was so abrupt. So yeah. I think that was like, they, they saved it for that. And then they just left it at that. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, like as a one-off thing and something that you've sort of set up timing wise, it works well. Cause I mean, I was waiting for the pizza thing to happen. So like, <laughs> you know, the, it was even like justified in an expectation sort of way that they finally were going to pull the trigger on that. But otherwise, yeah, like, like either, Either it's just tension without an explicit setup of her freaking out about something, or uh, it's something where there actually is something weird. Like the 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 tub full of hair, that's weird. It's not it's not finding a dead body. It's not unraveling the mystery of Satanism or anything. But it's something that you would actually reasonably sort of be like, what the fuck, when you're sort of freaked out about something, rather than just being like, you know, oh, it's a painting of a sad clown, you know, and ha ha ha, <laughs> you you jumped, but it was nothing. Yeah. jokes on you audience so yeah right. it, it, it was an interesting thing about the film the fact that it seemed to not uh draw too many uh, mm-hmm. uh we should um probably talk about the third uh, oh i'm sorry you should probably finish that word of your sentence I, I, I'm, I'm struggling for an idiom <laughs> as i as writing blank checks uh bouncing checks i don't yeah it didn't bounce too many checks at the old it catch, didn't write a check station it of cash the, yeah yeah that's it its body wasn't writing checks or its mouth wasn't writing checks that it body couldn't. Let's move on to the third. So thir- <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the way that they set it up is really great. So she's finally in the attic. Her hand reaches to the um, to the to the light bulb, and the moment she pulls it, all the lights in the house go out. Yeah, there's a brief um, flicker of the bulb she's pulling, mm-hmm. and then then all the lights go out. And then when the lights come back in. Um, Every you know, it's supposed to be implied that she's in complete darkness because all of the colors except blue are desaturated, and the like. It's only her jeans that are in color. Everything else is in black and white, which I thought was pretty great because it's not black and white because they use black. They use pure black and white for the flashback, so it's not black and white. But at the same time, it's also not like an illuminated scene in like the yeah. traditional sense of illumination. It's 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 lit up, but you know, different. So you get the feeling that you know she's in the dark, and then. Then, and this is right when the lunar eclipse is kicking in too, so it's like right. all timed. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah the her hand pulling the thing is timed with the lunar eclipse uh, kicking in, and I mean I guess they threw the lights when the lunar eclipse kicked in because they had to somebody had to turn the lights off. I don't think they rigged it up so that she pulls that thing exactly at midnight because, or you know what, I really wouldn't put it past them considering their hackneyed plan so far. <laughs> they, 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 it's like, all right, so this entire plan, she's got to pull it at exactly midnight. Can well, we, and the thing is, we, we, do that? We, we've, we've only seen the various uh, parts of their plan we actually saw. For all we know, they may have been fucking fastidious geniuses who had like literally 10 backup plans for everything and we just got to see the bits that did work or mostly worked. So, Hey, does anybody want to test this rope before we tie her up with it? No? All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, but yeah, so she pulls it and then 
That's when that's like the scene right after that is when the uh, the po- the uh, you know the the poison or whatever the 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 soporific in the uh, in the pizza kicks in, and that's when you see a lot of really good and very contemporary camera work. Yeah, where no. there's like canted angles, the can like the cameras. It's finally like that hand shaky cam thing that you're used to because we're no longer used to like fucking steady cam shots. Steady cam shots are now disorienting. Um, and now it's, you know, it's like the, the shaky cam shot, you know, that it's going in and out of focus. Uh, the angle is because all of the all of the angles like that the camera was at in this movie so far have been dead on. They have been like every single time it there is not it, the camera is always at like perfect, le- perfectly level, whether or not it's tilted in some way the the tilt is not um, it, it's not on the X axis, basically. Yeah, they, 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 it's a lot of a lot of. Sort of, yeah, very, very clean composition of, of straight line level shots. Uh, a lot of use of uh, symmetry or close to symmetry in in, in a lot of the, the camera sets. And yeah, the, there, there's actually one one scene that jumped out at me as a little bit earlier in the film that wasn't a perfectly sort of like steady, controlled feeling shot. And it was a shot of Megan's car from the rear, a, a, a zoom shot that yeah. was, which, which sets up really well the fact that maybe that was, you know, whatever... Uh, Dude, bro, the son, the the lumberjack hobo. Because uh, yeah, the ends entire up back her. of her car is illuminated, and nothing else in the road is, and there's no lights. Yeah, and so that, that sort of jumped out a little bit as yeah. as as this handheld thing in contrast to everything else we'd seen in the film so far. But as a as a spooky perspective shot, where it's implying some sort of menacing viewer who you're inhabiting in that shot, that works pretty well, and that sort of plays out well to what ends up happening to Megan shortly thereafter. So okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yes. So, um, and then the camera tilts, you know, she finally passes out and that's when the camera stops being funny, like funny as in like the camera stops being tilted and zooming out. And then there's like a pan up over her head to her face. It cuts to black and then like a blood red full screen moon strobes in and like it strobes in like six times with like a womp 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 sound each time yeah it's a I really really wish I saw that in the theater because in this I bet you like with a the theater yeah. sound system seeing it like because the moon the moon takes up the entire frame and so far the only time we've seen the moon it's been like sort of hazy and fuzzy and like so half eclipsed and now it's just like in complete like really high res and blood red yeah great and then they do the same thing life. yeah and then they do the same thing with like an out of focus candle Yep. And then you see her like on the floor in like ceremonial, like sacrificial robes, like tied up on a pentagram. Everybody comes in in their hooded robes. And I, I that was that was great. You know, just like just the, uh, the 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 change in in mood and tension. And they do the desaturated color thing again. But this time, the only color they leave in is red. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, and it's really it's really and and again with the the, the feel of the camera changing. Like this is. Uh, I, again, feels like a more contemporary uh, piece of camera work. This whole scene with the with the the pentagram and her tied down and the the blood ritual and so yeah. on. Yeah, because uh, I mean, um, there's a lot of right before that. There was every shot, like almost every shot in this movie prior to like the, that very last, the last part of the third act, or I guess the third. I guess that entire thing is the third act. Um, is 
is lingering. Like the, the she, you know, every time she's walking out of frame, it's because the um, it's because the shot is lingering on whatever it's lingering on. And you know, like every time she does something, you know, like she's washing the knife, and the shot just lingers on the knife. Or she and and but now, like you get like the fast cuts. Yeah, um, yeah, that laconic and, and, uh, cinematic style sort of goes away, and we get really frenetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then finally you see uh, you see mother who has been um, you know like she's basically been the MacGuffin the whole movie where you know you don't know what's happening in the house but you know it's related to her and you don't see her and um, in many ways like sometimes I think you're even intended to forget that she's even in the house and then something happens and you're like oh that's right she's not house sitting well yeah yeah, yeah once once we get the reveal of the inside of the murder pentacle room upstairs that mm-hmm. was supposed to be grandma's room it's it's easy to start thinking well is there even a fucking is there even a grandma like they said hey yeah. she wants her privacy because what they really mean is hey stay out of the room with the dead bodies in it because you'll freak out and leave uh, so yeah, it's easy to just think yeah. So so the fact that she does here's grandma finally, and she's basically Voldemort. Uh, yeah, the makeup on that is great. Like they made her not human. Yeah, looking. I'm glad that they made her like the monster, and that the it was a really effect. And so yeah, she yeah, it's like you know really deep set eyes, sort of like almost completely flattened out face, no nose, these tiny nubby little teeth. And then, like, that vision of her, like, in Sam's head evolves into, like, a really freaky monster monster with, you know, sharp teeth and bleeding eyes. Yeah, yeah. We keep and, getting these uh, flashes later in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That, and that really one affected. of the flashes, the way that it's framed, is straight out of Exorcist, that really, really quick flash of the demon in the Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so, and then, you know, the, the ritual begins, and I sort of, I, I really enjoyed the fact that they used, like, all of, the, like, the really, um, the, the really cliche Satanism tropes, like, they didn't, like, they, 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 they didn't, you know, at no point do they, you know, say Satan or anything, but, you know, there's a goat's head, there's blood, there's a pentagram, you know, it's all, like, you know, the, the, it, it's not Lovecraftian, it's not, um, you know, it, it's not like the like a demon from you know the 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 uh, the lesser key of Solomon or something. It's not some demon from another culture. It's it's you know it's it's the fucking devil. Yeah, it's, it's straight up eighties um, Satanism hysteria uh, made real. Yeah. Um. Also, also we 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 get possibly the only sort of like you know sexually exploitative. Uh, shot in the, I don't remember if they really did this anywhere else but but she's tied down and she's wearing yeah like you say sort of ceremonial white garb and and so she's got like just just her panties on uh below the waist uh yeah, and then which, like which the, is uh, a very sort of like oh and now here's a teenage girl in distress and underdressed sort of thing so it's like okay now we've checked that off we've got that uh that part of a horror and film then too when um mother just sort of like pulls the gown up to draw the pentagram on her stomach that was a yeah. uh, you know I think that was the uh yeah that whole sort of threatening of sexual violation sort of uh and then but the thing is in a way and you know that there's no there's no there's no sexual violation they just make her drink blood and draw a pentagram on her stomach but she ends up like the big reveal at the very end of the movie is that she's pregnant that she survives her suicide attempt and is pregnant um with you know what we can assume is satan or satan's baby or you know 
they, they, they purposefully do not make it clear what their goals are because, you know, if you're Sam in that situation, asking why is not anywhere near your list of priorities. Yeah, was, yeah but I need a little bit more detail about the, you know, unholy conception you've achieved in my, in my womb. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's sufficient to say this is obviously a bad thing. They've gone another way to put a bad thing inside of you, and now you are mother to that. And and uh, and then so so she gets away. So they manage to get the blood in her. Apparently, achieve the ritual uh, is what the movie suggests. Um, but then she she managed to get out from them. She just like gets herself out of the ropes. Does she get out of her ropes under the force of her own moxie or under the force of their terrible rope tying skills? Or is it Satan blood power? I mean, maybe it's the fact that she now carries within her the seed of Satan that gives her the ability to suddenly summon up some some strength and and wreck the havoc. Yeah, I mean, because she becomes to wreck. Yeah, because right after that, you know, in order to have stabbed Ullman, like she had to have picked up the knife right out of mother's hands after she you know slashed her face she gets up she stabs him uh you know victor attacks her she gets him in the eye he meets her again he shoots her she drops and then she still slices his neck open and keeps going like something there there is like a difference there between like the girl that she was before because now she is like a really it's like a jason Bourne sort of thing she's like a a unstoppable and remorseless killer yeah and Um, and you could you could argue that it's just the fight or flight thing but at the same time it's mm -hmm. it's tempting to frame it in terms of like okay if they've done a thing then maybe this is reflecting in her too and it's and it's hard to suss that out because the film doesn't state an opinion on the subject at all it's like it's just these things happen they don't get talked about i enjoy that you you know where i saw a very similar thing to this um 28 days later uh, the the zombie movie by yeah 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 um I, I forget who it's by but um you know the uh, the whole movie the zombies are the infected they're framed like every time they're on screen like the camera works in a certain way and they're framed in a certain way where it's like every time they're on frame the camera like they leave trails in the camera and the camera does these like really disorienting pans and so the zombies are always framed like that and then all the way at the end of the movie where he has to you know like rescue the people from the compound of like the people like when the other human beings become the villains yeah um you know he has to do it in like a really shadowy way like you know just like grab him out of the darkness and then the camera starts shooting him like it did the zombies previously and he's doing the same thing that they're doing which is like you know brutally killing people yeah he becomes Um, this nasty thing in the shadows that's just suddenly so so fucking menacing after having been sort of like you know one of the protagonists and it's way it's it's great and and they step down from that because he almost kind of has to like reassure the uh the the female lead at that point after that that oh hey no no don't kill me. I just freaked out and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. I'm just berserk. I'm not a yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. just a little Viking thing there. Please don't. It's just bloodlust. Just bloodlust. Yeah. Which, which was um, totally fair. Cause it's like, holy shit, dude, you just kind of, I mean, we're rooting for you, but at the same time, you just sort of went fucking mental. You just went sort of like really hardcore on a bunch of dudes. So, you know, yeah. It was, it, it, so yeah, yeah. That, that, that's and, sort of I, like, I, and now that I think about it, I think, you know, the, the whole like, you know, third act part where she, you know, becomes you know what it is that she becomes is like sort of the payoff to her skulking around with the knife because she does become the killer she doesn't become the villain but she does become like the thing that kills in this movie she's the she is the only oh no i guess not 
Well, I mean, there's Victor, but, uh, you know, he kills Megan, but she is the one that dispatches, you know, the the, the main characters of the movie, because yeah. there's only six characters in the whole movie. Um, and, and yeah, you know, uh, and then at the end, she, the, she, she kills herself. You know, she's, you know, the, the, the last scene is like, um, first of all, the, this was weird because she had stabbed, uh, Ullman in, in the stomach and he's just like, Oh, wait, hang on. I got to explain what's going on to you. And he pulls the knife out of his stomach. And then like, there's a shot on the floor of like his blood dripping. And you'd think with the amount of sacrificing that they've done, he'd be like, I probably should leave this in there because I know <laughs> how blood works. And I know what happens when you cut into a body. You know, this is what's keeping the blood in there. But he's just like, he really struggles to get it the fuck out of there too. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's, you know, this, the confrontation in the graveyard where she finally grabs the gun. She kills, oh yeah, before that she kills Mrs. Ullman by just like stabbing, stabbing her in the, in back, the yeah. back in a... While Mrs. Ullman was and, praying to Satan. Yeah, and that was also like a really slick shot too, because she was, you know, she was hiding and she's, that, that's a stealth kill. Yeah. You know, um... And yeah, so they're in the graveyard and he's just like, it's like, you got to understand it's, you know, the, the, the eclipse and, you know, he's chosen you and, you know, she aims the gun at him and he's just like, well, you can kill me. I'm just a messenger. And then she spends a couple of seconds aiming the gun at the moon, which I loved. Yes. Yeah. Shoot at the moon. Well, and, and see, it's, it's wonderful. Cause I mean, you've lunar eclipse happens during a full moon, a uh, full moon, the moon, a fertility symbol, the birth of the antichrist, that quickening in her belly and all this stuff. There's a very real possibility that she's just like this at that moment in her hopelessness and understanding of the horror of the position she's been put in. Yeah. She's, maybe just conceptually realizing the moon is at the center of all this. And if she could just make the moon explode, maybe everything <laughs> would be okay. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was a wonderful little like non-rational feeling moment. That was like, yeah, I liked it. I thought that, yeah, that's, I thought it was a good that, and then, and then she immediately, yeah, turns the gun on her head and tries to kill herself and apparently fails. And so we'll have Satan baby in the hospital and blah, 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 blah. But but yeah, and again, it was it was another quick decision with a gun too, sort of echoing Victor's shooting of Megan earlier. It's like you're, you're given just long enough to sort of think about it a little bit, and then before you can necessarily really catch up, she's taken decisive action and, and blowing someone's head off. Uh, yeah, that gun is is it's only at the very end that that gun is used to threaten anybody. Every time that gun comes out, the shot's taken right after because yeah. warning shots are bullshit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then like it's only at the very end that she's and she's not even like threatening him. She's just not sure what she should be shooting at that point. Because um, you know, if he like if he had not said that, she ninety nine percent sure she would have shot him. Yeah. Um, if she if she thought that it 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 would do something, but then she realizes that you know he's he doesn't have anything on her anymore. She she she. Re- I'm sure she remembers she stabbed him in the stomach and that probably isn't something people can easily recover from. <laughs> well, I think if he um, could get himself to medical attention, he'd have a chance. Uh, not with that hospital. <laughs> you kidding? Did you see the equipment here's a, in there? Well, here's, here's a question about that hospital. I won't actually say that. Uh, is the whole hospital like a cultist hospital or is that nurse just part of a small group of in the know cultists who happen to know that this lady is pregnant with, I mean, is the nurse, I I wondered that, is the nurse even in on it? Because, I mean, if they were to just to do, like, an ultrasound, well, I mean, you know, if somebody shows up, if, like, a young woman shows up covered in blood in a funeral, I mean, in a a cemetery, they probably, well, hmm, but she's pregnant. 
I feel like would I feel, they have done an ultrasound? That's, yeah, that, that's what I'm wondering. And this is, I guess, is a question and for our, our full of clear. Our they're clearly pumping anybody, her full of morphine. Any, anybody who is familiar mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, trauma work and and whatnot, and 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 can provide some detail, please please do let us know uh, if it would make any sense for someone who wasn't in a Satan cult to be aware that this woman was pregnant when she had apparently been recently admitted to the hospital with, you know, grave head trauma that they're trying to keep her from dying from. Because uh, I don't know if, like, like I, I don't think they'd be saying, you know what we should do, all right, let's do, let's, let's do a pregnancy test. But, you know, maybe there's something that would incidentally just clearly indicate the likelihood of a pregnancy that would happen as a process of, yeah. you know, side, side effect of some blood work or something. I, I don't know. I, but I, my feeling, my feeling is that that nurse mm-hmm. was, in fact, a Satan nurse who was like, oh, poor baby. And you're like, oh, poor baby. She's talking to the lady. But no, she's talking to the Satan baby. And yep. yeah, so I, I think it was an affectionate Satan yeah. nurse is, is my read. Yeah, and it would make sense that that's why they're keeping her, you know, completely sedated instead of just slightly sedated, so that she can't escape and you know yeah. just get rid of the uh, get rid of the Satan fetus. Yep. Um, oh, I I had to say I enjoyed that they um, that they lampshaded the um, the eclipse stopping before time. Where the uh, the guy on the uh, the news channel is just like scientists have no idea why the eclipse you know <laughs> only took a few seconds instead of you know faster than theoretically possible. Yeah, it's just like oh well you know when you fuck something up like and like that you know there's going to be a big big uh, big change in the world. So that actually reminded me of um, just the. Uh, just the uh, scenes of like the failed things in Cabin in the Woods where, you know, they inhabit a world where there's monsters all over the fucking place constantly. Yeah. Um, at least once a year, the monsters come out, you know? Yeah. Or, uh, so that's, it, it was, it was kind of like the, yeah. I, I, and I like the implication that Satan was just straight up, you know, look, I'm going to have a baby. I need to get this. I need to make sure this happens before she can mm-hmm. pull anything off. Like, cause it'd almost be a race against her realizing her predicament and, you know, yeah. doing herself in or something. But, uh, and then, and then I love the, the, the closing credits. They just, they, they have a camera, another static shot just on her laying in the bed. And then they just roll credits and they keep that on screen for like a good minute or two before eventually fading to black. Uh, and it's just a, a wonderful sort of like, Oh no, seriously, uh, this is, this is going to be a bad situation in nine months. Just think about that for a couple more minutes here while we, while we run some credits here. Uh, and then, you know, it leaves room open for a sequel. Oh, certainly. And a prequel. Certainly. There's, you know, it's... I do like the idea of the house invasion prequel. It seems like, uh, it seems like that could really work. Um, I want to say one All thing right. about the credits, mm-hmm. uh, looking through it, uh, the special thanks section, they, they, they have mm-hmm. special thanks for a whole lot of people, but uh, including that in one line item was Goatsy and tub girl. So, uh, <laughs> well done filmmakers for sneaking that in and, and, and for me, I guess, uh, for noticing it. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, yeah, that was, I, I really, once again, 15 year olds are watching this movie being like, what the hell is Goatsy? <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand. Ask your parents. They, they, they know about the, the, the memes of the nineties. From the old internet, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am satisfied with our, uh, with our, with our look of this movie. Did yeah. you have anything else to? No, I just, I really enjoyed okay. it. Uh, I, uh, I, I look forward to, I, I look forward to seeing uh, what you think about uh, the VHS stuff. And I think that's maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we should do next, uh, or maybe something okay. else. We'll figure it out. But uh, 
uh, will decide. And, and I, I guess it's you're very thoughtful in a way that I'm not about the, the Facebook thing. If we want people to be able to watch these things before we see them, mentioning for sure what they are is a good idea. So the fact that you asked the question a week or two ago and, and we actually made a decision and said so on the Facebook group, good thing in mm-hmm. Yakov. That's, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not apparently a Josh sort of move, the giving people any lead time to watch the movie that they might want to watch before the <laughs> podcast they might want to listen to. So uh, we'll figure it out. We'll say something one way or the other. But yeah, I think maybe yep. we could tentatively say VHS because I, I would be happy to sit down and watch that again. And I mean, I'm, I'm totally good with it. Yeah. It, it, it'll be another sort of horror by horror fans sort of discussion. Uh, but, but it's going to lend itself to, I think, a little bit to uh, talking about uh, the whole uh, cinema verite, uh, handheld, found footage, blah, 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 thing, since that's a major element of that aesthetic, too. So, um, but yeah. Oh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm actually looking at the Facebook right now. I, I don't know if it was Tim or Kristen Gillespie who first uh, suggested uh, we watch House of the Devil. But you were both um, there. So, yeah, they were both there. And uh, so, uh, so special thanks to, to Crispin <laughs> Gillespie and then Tim. And um, Tub Girl and Goatsy. And, yeah, and Tub Girl and Goatsy and the, every, the whole Style Project gang. Remember Style Project? No. 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 I mean, I, Don't, I, I, nobody Google that. Nobody look up yeah. what it is. Just let it die. <laughs> <laughs> well, check out the check out the Facebook group. Check out the Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, rate us or uh, you know rate us and maybe write a review on on iTunes if you would help with visibility and uh, and yeah maybe you know probably VHS or something else and we'll say what it is one way or the other uh, and yeah we'll be back in a couple weeks. You got anything else? Sorry, I'm not here. You could uh, leave a message at the tone. <laughs> See y'all next time.